When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where you, the valued listener, is appreciated. I hope you know that. I appreciate you for listening. Thankful for you taking some of the stuff that we're learning together in our little church and sharing it with the wider world. Um, I do make a little mistake in this episode. I always give that up front if I remember to. Um, Ebenezer is translated as stone of help, not stone of remembrance. But in the context, the stone of help, they're supposed to remember that they were helped. So it sort of is the same thing. But just to be technically correct about the Hebrew language, so you can trust me with weightier matters, um, I'll always admit when I'm wrong, especially about languages that I learned as an adult, um, Hebrew being one of them. For a canticle today, we'll sing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. So get ready for that if you have a hymnal. If not, um, don't worry, I'll be singing loudly. Um, And it's hymn number 686, and it addresses this very passage of scripture that we just read in Joshua 3, where these stones are set up as memorials. Um, In the hymnal, it is um, 686, and I wonder if the 1982 hymnal changed this verse. I'm going to have to check because I don't always trust the 1982 hymnal to give some of the older words to the hymns. Yeah, they did it, didn't they? Verse 2 in of Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing is Here I find my greatest treasure Hither by thy help I've come. And the text that Mike shared with us, oh, did you share the 80, yeah, 82. Um, Let's look at, let's see if we can find the lyrics to that song. Can someone find the lyrics to Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing that's not in the 1982 hymnal? I think you'll find this verse there. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Apparently the editors of the 1982 hymnal felt like nobody really wanted to sing about raising Ebenezer. Ebenezer uh, is a man's name in only one context in America. As far as I know, Ebenezer Scrooge, who is a miserly uh, curmudgeon from The Christmas Carol, hopefully not a anti-Semitic reference. We hope that Dickens wasn't doing that, using a Hebrew name like Ebenezer. Um, We hope. Not sure about that one. Um, We always must be on guard for anti-Semitism and not just in religion, but in popular culture that seeks to portray 
Jewish people as being like Ebenezer Scrooge, someone obsessed with money and not in the spirit of Christmas. Some have, I believe, argued that that may be what Dickens is trying to do, although it does seem in the story that Ebenezer Scrooge is a Christian in that he has lost the meaning of Christmas. His relatives are Christians, Bob Cratchit, or his nephew. His nephew is a Christian, as as far as I can tell from the story, from watching the Muppets version anyway. Um, He's a Christian. He's celebrating Christmas. Um, But Ebenezer Scrooge is not, but he used to celebrate Christmas, and now he's celebrating Christmas again. So Ebenezer Scrooge is probably a Christian in the story, not a Jewish person, but we must always be wary of stereotypes that target Jewish people in an anti-Semitic way. But the name Ebenezer Scrooge is forever associated with something rather negative, although he is the hero of the story in the end, who sees the light of God's grace and love and Christmas. But this verse was changed. The words were changed. Here I raise my Ebenezer. And in this story in Joshua chapter 3, we have this story told. They crossed the Jordan. The river stands up in a heap. We talked about that yesterday. Um, uh, and the flowing to the Dead Sea, the Jordan River is cut off. The Dead Sea is the lowest spot on earth. You can go down to there from anywhere. It is, uh, does not drain anywhere. The water evaporates and the salt remains. It's fresh water that's being poured into the Dead Sea every day, but it's got enough salt in it that over millennia, thousands and longer years, uh, the salt content just keeps staying. And it's a beautiful place to see and to float in. Uh, we have records of even the Roman generals when they would when they would go to Jerusalem, either for conquest or diplomatic reasons, they would often go down to the Sea of Gal to the Salt Sea, to the Dead Sea, um, and they would um, take prisoners they had captured and tie them up and toss them into the Dead Sea and watch them float. Um, the prisoners would think they were drowning, and it was kind of a joke, a cruel joke, um, to be sure. But we have records of that happening. Um, even thousands of years ago. So the Dead Sea has always been a place of fascination. And it is where the uh, river is flowing, but it's been cut off. And the people cross over near Jericho. It's pretty amazing that we have the geography of this place um, really well documented for posterity. I think Melanie found the hymn Yes, that is, that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, the the term Ebenezer, we'll get we'll get there in a minute. Um, the the sorry, uh, um, the stone of remembrance. Um, this standing stone that are set up by the twelve men who were picked from each tribe. Um, they are to take these stones, and as I talked about yesterday. You can just imagine the competition between these guys. Um, they are going to pick the biggest stone they can find. And maybe the most creative shaped stone. These are, these are uncut stones. These are not um, stones that have been sculpted in any way. This harks back to the altar that Abraham built of uncut stones. 
not a, not a place of refinement, but a place of rugged encounter with God, just like the Jordan River is. And you'll notice from, um, you'll notice the Texas State Capitol sort of does this in its own way architecturally. If you go there, the bottom layer of the Capitol stones are rough. Uh, they are, they've been sculpted to fit in the wall, but they have a rough edge that has not been polished down. And then they have, as you go up the building, you'll see them get smoother and smoother all the way to the top, um, that beautiful marble. And so this is the origin story of the nation from Abraham to this, um, these standing stones, these Ebenezers. This is the Ebenezer talked about in the song. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here I raise my stone of remembrance or standing stone. The, the stones that are brought there to the middle of the river are set up um, and they are memorialized there. The 12 stones are set up in the middle of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. You can imagine going to the Jordan River, as many people would, and they would go there and see these stones, these 12 giant stones. I used to work for a landscaper on my one day off when I worked at a church in Pennsylvania. I had one day off a week and I needed money, so I worked on, uh, as for a landscaper. And I, my job was to build a stone wall. And he had a little tractor backhoe type bobcat thing for the really big stones, but you just had to get them on the bobcat. Otherwise, you had to carry each stone to the wall, and it was a retaining wall for a back of a house that was on the side of a hill. So the stone wall was really high. And I built this stone wall week after week after week. And I can tell you, the smallest stones are very heavy. It doesn't take a very big stone to, for um, someone in their 20s to have a hard time picking up. And you can imagine these guys uh, who, who have been working out in the desert are ready, but what's the biggest stone you could pick up? These are, you know, you look at the competitions of strongman competitions where they carry those big giant round stones. That, um, that is what they're carrying. So they're not giant, but you get 12 of them, you could rise them above the water level so you could see. And that marks the spot that the priests stood in. These priests who stood there as the waters piled up, they didn't get the chance to rush across. Um, they stood there between the threat of God's provision. God had provided for them, but there was a threat in it, this giant wall of water. All of God's provision always contains some sort of risky, scary thing. It always does. It always will. In every step of new beginnings or step of faith we take, there's always fear in it. There's always anxiety. And it is these priests who stand there in the water, and they're marked um, by these standing stones. The entire nation finishes crossing the Jordan. As uh, we pointed out yesterday, and Paula mentioned, it would take a really long time for two million people to cross the Jordan River. Um, and so they are there a long time. Um, they are standing there. And so when we think of um, this monument, what, what monuments do we make in our life? What Ebenezers have we raised up? As the hymn says, Here I raise my Ebenezer, Hither by thy help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. What Ebenezers have you raised up? What stones have you put up? 
Um, some people build little gardens and put them things in them. Um, some people, um, some people put, um, some people put, uh, mementos around their house to remind them of what God has done for them. Some people put Bible verses and collects from the prayer book on their mirrors. I don't know what you do to remind yourself of God's faithfulness in the past, but I encourage you to try something like that. You can reflect in your life at a time when God was faithful to you, that something worked out that you were really anxious about and prayed for. Um, that spiritual exercise of remembering these these events and putting the stones up so you remember them. One of the things I try to do if somebody gives me a present or something, I try to write on the back of it who gave it to me and when. Um, I've worked at a number of churches and places over the years, and I try to mark those people and events um, that way uh, to remember them because I don't always remember. It's amazing how much we forget in life. Really, the art of remembering is the art of forgetting. Um, to filter out the stuff that we don't really need to remember, like all the bad stuff that's happened to us, and to remember the stuff that has happened to us that's good. And that's a really hard thing to do. And that's one of the reasons we have therapists, is to help us learn how to remember. Um, There's an old study that was done of combat veterans after World War II that tracked them over time. It was a long study, maybe 30 years, um, interviewing the same men, they were all men, Um, from that experience. And the ones who told the same exact story again and again and again, word for word just about, of what their combat experience was like, um, had a very different life than the ones who told very different stories over the time. Um, The ones whose stories were set in stone in the trauma of that um, fared much worse than the veterans who were able to retell their story in a new light uh, based on the new information of their lives that they had gotten, the new experience they had had. They were able to reflect on their wartime experiences differently um, with a little more perspective and a little more hope and a little more, um, you know, yes, that was awful, but I made it through and God was faithful and I survived and I'm glad to be alive. The ones who told the exact same story word for word over time um, of great despair and sorrow. Um, that was, they, their outcomes were very different for how, how um, they were. And, and those stories weren't the reason they had that. It was their um, certainly mental uh, disorders and struggles and health that was affecting those stories. But we have to be careful how we tell stories, the kind of stories we tell. If we tell the same story over and over again, where we are... Um, we are vilified or someone else is blamed for everything or um, God doesn't show up in the story or however we tell that story that it's not told in faith, we will find ourselves really being paralyzed by that story, being limited by that story. When we tell a story realistically without any embellishments or, um, you know, obfuscation or denials or whatever, Tell it honestly in all of its troubles and struggles, but put God in that story. Where was God in that story? Where was I in that story? Where, um, where, were my, where was Jesus in that story? Where was the Holy Spirit in that story? Um, when, we, when we add God to the story, suddenly we find that the story can be one of faith 
And you can see that here. They mark this because they know how easy it is to forget. It's easy to forget these moments of crossing the Jordan. We have all crossed the Jordan in our baptism. You have crossed the Jordan in your baptism. And we quickly forget that we belong to Jesus. No matter what happens to us, no matter where we go, what we do, how we fall, how we get up, whatever happens to us, we have passed through the Jordan. We have passed through the Red Sea. We have passed through the waters of baptism. We have gone through the waters of the flood, as our, as our baptismal prayers say. We have even been there when God hovered over the waters of creation and said, let there be light. We were born again in that moment. And you should remember that. And if you need a stone to remember it, remember it. If you need a candle to remember it, if you lost your baptismal candle, I'll give you another one. Um, put it somewhere where you can remember that God was faithful to you and God will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. O oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. July 14th, my mother's birthday and Bastille Day and the Feast of Samson Occam. Bastille Day and my mother's birthday may be more popular events on your calendar, but um, or my calendar. But Samson, Samson, Samson Occam um, died in 1792. 1792. He was the first ordained person among the Native Americans the first ordained Native American minister. He was born into the Mohegan Nation near New London, Connecticut in 1723. By the age of 16, he was exposed to the great evangelical preaching of the Great Awakening. Remember uh, George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards and others um, of these great preachers. George Whitfield, um, who became a leader of Methodism, but also some other movements, was a preacher that went to college with the Wesleys and Charles and John Wesley. So he's part of that uh, movement of inward piety for Anglicans especially, but here in New England it was especially for Congregationalists. Um, these were Anglicans who left the Church of England because they didn't like bishops, 
They wanted each congregation to be rather autonomous. And it is this group that really led to the creation of the Baptists. So in many ways, um, there in New England are the early Baptists or forerunners of the Baptists. And the forerunners of the Baptists are Anglicans. So even Baptists trace their historical origin to the Anglicans in England, the Church of England, as do we. In some ways, you could say we're all kind of splits off that same root of the tree. In 1743, he began studying theology at the School of Congregational Minister Eleazar Wheelock, which later became Dartmouth College. He did mission work among the Native Americans in New England and Montauk, Long Island, where my mother, who was born today, used to live. I used to visit her in-laws there on Montauk, Long Island. In 1759, he was ordained as a Presbyterian minister. In 1766, at the behest of Eleazar Wheelock, Ockham went to England, where he, went, where he raised money for Wheelock's Indian Charity School. He preached extensively for over a year, traveling across England and raising over 11,000 pounds from wealthy patrons, including King George III. Little twist of fate there, eventually King George, um, who suffered greatly from many things, but um, one of them being the rebellion of his colonies, as, as you all know. Um, but you can imagine this Native American traveling around England um, as an object of curiosity. People would have wanted to see a Native American. They had done this. Um, there was even a Native American person brought before King Henry VIII um, hundreds of years before this event. So Native Americans touring England was nothing new. But for most people, probably that he went to preach to or talk to, uh, they probably had never met a Native American person um, before. Um, originally, the Native Americans in New England were allies of the British colonial government, um, and that all changed in the American Revolution um, as that relationship became more embittered. Remember that Eliezer Wheelock is raising money for a charity school. These schools were designed to, at their best, to offer uh, education on par with what uh, European colonists were offered in their schools. Um, at their worst, they were places of um, trying to get Indians, for lack of a better anachronistic term, to conform to white people's rules and standards of behavior and dress and language, trying to teach the and sometimes beat the Native American out of the Native Americans. Um, so places of abuse, they were often boarding schools, and we can see the historical legacy today um, in the mass graves that have been discovered at some of these schools. This school did not last very long, as far as I know, um, but certainly, um, and I don't know exactly all the things that happened there, and no one will ever, but this was an attempt at its best to offer something to the native peoples that would help them compete with the European colonists at its worst, and it eventually became worse. It was a way of trying to exert social control and conformity over young people. Um, and yet, many of the um, Native American leaders and chiefs, chieftains and tribal leaders or presidents or whatever we might call them today, sachems, in that area 
would send their children willingly and hopefully that, so that um, they, were, they would be able to compete with the, the uh, colonial powers. Um, as the American natives are pushed wet, further westward and as time marches on, the Indian boarding schools become much worse. <clears throat> children are forcibly removed from their homes <clears throat> and families um, to get this education, which is really, um, as in the chat says, kill the Indian, save the man kind of um, ideology. So this is a very early form of that happening here, <clears throat> which Samsonakam is... Um, very much a part of as a Native American. He has benefited from these schools um, himself and is trying to get more kids involved in them. When he comes back from England, however, his family, supposedly under the care of Wheelock, was found destitute, and the school for which he had labored moved to Hanover, New Hampshire, where it, where it became Dartmouth College. So Wheelock moves, the school moves, um, the funds that he had raised had been put toward the education of Englishmen rather than Native Americans. So here, this very hopeful project that he was very enthusiastic about, you can see right away how it was exploited, his labor was exploited, his life was exploited and misused, and then uh, not to any benefit of his people, his Native people. Following the disagreement with the colonial government of Connecticut over a lack of compensation for lands that they had sold, Occam and many other Mohegans moved to the Oneida Territory in upstate New York. There, he and his companions founded the Brothertown community. In his day, Occam was renowned for his eloquence and spiritual wisdom. He was the first Native American to publish his works in English. His work among the Mohegans of Connecticut, many of whom became Christians under his guidance, helped them to avoid later relocation. He died there in New Stockbridge, New York in 1792. So we often don't remember the Native Americans who became Christians and lived um, very much like the European settlers with which they um, shared land and shared area. Um, and they were often the targets of when Native Americans would have uprisings against the white colonial powers after abuses of power and uh, miscarriages of justice when Native Americans were killed with impunity and they would seek justice and then more of them would be killed. Eventually there would be raids and retaliation. King Philip's War and a number of other um, Native American, what we might call revolutions or uprisings happened. The Christian or praying Indians were often the first targets of their um, attacks. So they got it from both sides in many ways and yet were faithful to the Jesus they met on the trails and in the woods, who taught them to point to the great spirit, to lead them and to guide them. So we thank God for William, Samson Ockham, his early witness, and we pray for repentance for um, in our land. We pray today on land that was once uh, peopled by the Tonkawa people um, here in this area and certainly other Native Americans lived here long before um, white uh, settler Texans came or even um, the Mexican government and Spanish government from the South. God, the great spirit, whose breath gives life to the world and whose voice thunders in the wind, we give you thanks for your servant, Samson Ockham, strong preacher and teacher among Mohegan people, 
and pray that we, cherishing his example, may love learning and by love build up the communities into which you send us through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. Pray a colic for mission on 100. O God, you made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.